read a couple passages of scripture. We're going to be in the book of Luke, chapter 24, with verse 49. And then if you want to mark that and flip over to Acts chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. So just three verses of scripture I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. First of all, Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. And now, say now. Now I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised. But stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water. But in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Today, I'm going to continue in this sermon series I've been preaching titled Woven. And uh, Dennis Cooper was so kind to, I couldn't use this thing if I had to, but he was so kind as to bring me a loom that he actually uses um, for an illustration for my sermon today. Now, I don't know if he already had that, those colors of yarn in there or not, but he's doing pretty good with what the illustration is on the screen. So I'm going to set that right there. Thank him for that. That'll help illustrate what we're talking about today. I'm preaching the second message in this series titled Woven, and today we're going to talk about understanding the pattern understanding the pattern. If you will, pray with me and for me. Father, one more time, we thank you for your presence. Thank you for these precious people. Thank you for your anointing on the worship. And Lord, now we thank you for the word that has been read. I pray for the next few moments, Lord, that you would remove every hindrance, Lord, every distraction that would hinder this service and that you would anoint these lips of clay to deliver your word today. That, Lord, you would anoint every ear to hear and uh, every mind to understand. I don't pray that often enough, but that, Lord, we would not only hear your word, but we would understand your word so that our hearts can receive your word today. I pray that you would do a work in the hearts and minds of people today, Lord, and give us understanding of your Holy Spirit, Lord, today. And we'll just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for it in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. As I said last week, a single thread is small. It usually goes unnoticed until maybe the moment that a thread is pulled, then you suddenly recognize its significance and how essential that it may be to the overall garment or the overall tapestry and sometimes the overall picture or the overall storyline. And if the thread is removed, the, the picture is incomplete. And sometimes, quite possibly, if a thread comes unraveled, maybe the whole garment or the whole tapestry can be destroyed. And so over the next couple weeks, we're going to continue examining the most important thread in history. It's a thread that not only runs through our entire story, but it also ties the story and us together, if you will. And I did consider pausing this sermon series for a week because today is Father's Day. But then I thought... What better is there to talk about today on a day that we're honoring fathers, giving away gifts to a couple fathers? What better day is there to talk about than today than to talk about a gift and a promise that your heavenly father has for you? So that's what we're going to talk about today. Jesus' final instructions uh, to the disciples was to wait Wait for what, you might say. Last week and again this morning, I read Jesus' last words to you in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49. He said to wait for power. He also told them to wait on the promise. What 
promise are we talking about? The promise that he's speaking of here in, in Scripture, and I'm going to prove to you today from the Word of God, is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that he's talking about. He makes no doubt about that because in verse 5, he said, if you don't care to put verse 5 of Acts chapter 4 back up there on the screen for me, Eric, he says in verse 5 that John baptized you with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to wait before they go and change the world. He knew that if they went without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, nothing would happen. He was telling them, don't try to do anything that I've instructed and called you to do until, until you've received this additional baptism. When you, If you do, you'll only be striving in your own natural ability and nothing of lasting spiritual value will be accomplished. You've got to wait. You've got to wait for the promise. You've got to wait for the helper. You've got to wait until you be endued with power. Power for what? Power to do the work of the ministry. Can I tell you today that if you and I try to do this thing in ourselves, if we try to do this without the empowerment of the Spirit, we will wear out, we will burn out, and nothing eternally significant will be accomplished for the kingdom. I don't want to offend anybody this morning, but the truth of the matter is this. There are plenty of churches today. There are plenty of people assembled together in houses of worship today that may be doing it in their own power. They may be doing it of their own ability. They may be doing it of their own talent. But they may have houses full of people. But I'm afraid some may have houses full of people that are attending church. But the numbers of the people actually going to heaven are a lot lower. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying if we're going to accomplish anything significant, eternally significant for the kingdom of God, we must be endued with his power. Say amen, somebody. And Jesus commands them to wait on power and wait on a promise. And there's an old saying that the third time's a charm. How many knows that saying? I thought about that this week as I studied, and it's almost like that's what Jesus is kind of communicating to us because. He actually, I'm going to prove to you this morning and walk you through in Scripture three different baptisms. And you may say, well, wait a minute. I don't know about three different baptisms. But there are indeed three different baptisms in Scripture. I asked the Lord to help me this week to be able to explain to you from the Word about the importance and the significance of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I believe he has done that, and I want to share it with you today. But the first baptism that we're going to talk about this morning is the baptism by, say by, by the Holy Spirit. The, the first baptism is the invisible baptism. You can't see anything that happens, but it produces an outward after effect that you can visibly see. You probably already know about this baptism, but you ne have probably never ever before heard it referred to actually as a baptism. You might know it as by a different name, and we all know it mostly by that name, and that is salvation. But salvation is indeed actually a baptism, and I'm going to prove it to you from the Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, Paul said this, Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been what? Baptized into one body by, say by, 
by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. If you look at this verse, who is doing the baptizing in this verse? The Holy Spirit. We've all been baptized by the Spirit. When we experienced salvation at that moment, we were baptized in to the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent who did the baptizing. That's the first baptism. In fact, we're told concerning the work of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. He said, and when He comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because of the ruler of this world has already been judged. So we read here that the Holy Spirit comes to convince us of our need for Jesus and the salvation that he has so graciously provided to every single one of us. This is the baptism by the Holy Spirit. It's known as salvation, but it is not the same thing as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if, say if, if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. So therefore we know that God's Spirit comes to dwell within us at salvation. But this is different than the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism by the Holy Spirit. The second baptism we're going to talk about this morning is water baptism. I've already mentioned it, but many Christians are unfamiliar with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But many believers only know about or have experienced water baptism. And the disciples were even familiar with water baptism. They most likely saw with their own eyes via John the Baptist and all of his activity in the Jordan River. And water baptism is something that we can actually see with our physical eyes. It is a visible indicator of an inward change. The outward and visible baptism, and if you've never attended here before, we, we, our baptistry is right there. We move the chairs out of the way and we turn that smart glass, whatever you call it, on to where it's clear and you can see through it. And the baptistry is right there and we baptize people. And this is an outward and visible baptism that occurs uh, in between, normally, in between the first baptism of salvation and the baptism of the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And this is an outward baptism that you can see with your physical eyes. You can, you can only see of the first baptism which is getting saved, and the third baptism, which is the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you, can, you can't see that take place with the exception of the outward effect that it has on a person's life. But this one you get to watch with your own eyes. It's an outward display of an inward work. And if we are obedient to the commands of Scripture, we choose to experience a second baptism, which is this baptism in water. And this baptism is the baptism that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 when he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus wanted his disciples to witness. And that's what baptism, water baptism is. It's a witness to others so that folks would be baptized 
baptized of the Holy Spirit. They would accept Jesus and then choose to be baptized in water, symbolically showing all of their friends, their family, and other people that they had entered into a new life with Christ. That's why when I baptize in water, I quote scripture and say, he or she, whatever the case may be, he or she who was once dead in sin is buried with him and risen to walk in new life. That's water baptism and it's symbolic showing others that you were you were dead in sin and buried with him and when you came up you were risen to walk in new life. It's an outward display of an inward work that's happened in your life. And after you've experienced the first baptism of salvation, most people understand that you need to participate in the second baptism, uh, which is water baptism, so that it's a visible testimony. It's a statement of your faith. Uh, it's an outward display of the inward work. And we understand the need, most of us, of baptism number one. And we understand the need of baptism number two, which is water baptism. However, Jesus understood that we also need a third baptism. Jesus. And that is the baptism in. Say in. In the Holy Spirit. The third baptism is an invisible baptism with visible effects. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11. John the Baptist refers to Jesus. And he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. But someone is coming soon who is greater than I am. So much greater that I'm not worthy even to be his slave and carry his sandals. Watch this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Scripture clearly shows us Jesus is the one who performs this baptism. Immersing us in the Holy Spirit. Just like when we do a water baptism, we are immersed in water. Water. We take, listen, if you've been baptized by me, I take you completely under. You're going down. Don't fight me, I'll push you down. You're going down. You're going to get immersed in water. And just like when we immerse people in water, in a water baptism, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a complete and total immersion and saturation of us in the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness this morning? The promise of the baptism uh, in the Holy Spirit came powerfully to the disciples in Acts chapter 2. And Peter delivers a sermon immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And in response to Peter's preaching, a number of his Jewish listeners fall under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 39, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Now watch Peter's response here. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then, say then, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is this gift of the Holy Spirit? This promise is to you, to your children, and to all those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. I want us to go back to verse 38, please, Eric, and look at the active verbs in these verses. Peter outlines three baptisms in this passage of Scripture. First of all, number one, repent. Repenting is the first vital primary step in the baptism of salvation. Repenting. Now, here's where you're going to get quiet on me this morning. This is more than just filling out a decision card and turning it in at the conclusion of a service. This is more than making a decision 
And I'm, I'm not criticizing anybody else. I'm just preaching to you this morning. Making a decision and following somebody to a back room somewhere. Since when do we have to take people to a back room so they can accept Jesus? Isn't that what? Oh, I got some kickback there. Isn't that what the altar is for? Since when do we have to take some? If he can't save them in here, what makes us think he's going to save them back there? Are you with me this morning? But here's where we get, here's where it's going to get real quiet now. We got to repent. Do you know what repentance actually is? That's more than just coming to this altar and crying and feeling bad about what you did. That's more than just coming to this, to this altar and saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. That's all part of repentance. But the word repent in its origin means to turn from. Can, are you with me today? Repentance is when you, yes, you come to this altar. You're first drawn and convicted by the Holy Spirit. And you come to this altar and you pray and you ask for forgiveness. Yes. And you're sorry about what you did. Yes. But repentance is after you've prayed that prayer. After you've invited Jesus into your heart. Then when you get up, you don't walk the same way you used to walk. You don't talk the same way. You used to talk. You don't do some of the same things. I ain't going to get much help up in here this morning in the first church of the self-righteous. You don't do some of the things that you used to participate in. You get up and you do what the Word says. You turn from those things and begin to walk a new walk in Jesus Christ. That's repentance. People can fill out decision cards by the droves. But if they're not changed, they've not experienced salvation. We must repent. That's the first verb. Secondly, the second thing Peter tells them to do is be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And Peter is just urging the, the listeners to follow Jesus' example by submitting themselves after they've repented to participating in water baptism. But then thirdly, receive. Say receive. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is the third baptism, as Peter indicates here. The Holy, listen, folks. The Holy Spirit will not force himself... On anybody. The Holy Spirit will not force himself on anybody. He must be received. Now listen, particularly those of you fathers in the room this morning, I want you to imagine that you worked really hard for something that you knew one of your children would love, that they would just absolutely love. And you, you made sure that you were able to get that and you wrapped it up and you had it ready for them. And then you brought it and you presented it to them for them to take and open from you. And they looked at you and they was like, no dad, I'm good. I'm good. I don't want that. But you don't know what it is. You need to open it. You're going to love this. No, no, mm -mm, I'm good. I don't want that. Can you imagine how you would feel as a father? If I had an envelope this morning that had $1,000 cash in it, and I don't. Don't nobody race up here. But if I did, and I held it out, and I said, I've got something here I'm going to give somebody. The only person in the room that would benefit from that is the person who ran up and received it. Are you with me this morning? 
I came to tell you today that there is, and I'm going to finish proving it to you by the word, there is something to this baptism in the Holy Spirit. But the only people that benefit from it are those who reach out and say, God, I'm willing to receive all that you have for me. From here on out, after this passage of Scripture, this third baptism continues all the way through the New Testament. And it's critically part of the Christian life. Some people say, oh, no, wait a minute. All of that ended on the day of Pentecost. After the day of Pentecost, that was it. No, that wasn't it. That was actually the beginning of it. The day of Pentecost was in Acts chapter 2. But what about in Acts chapter 8? In Acts chapter 8, we find the evangelist Philip preaching and teaching in Samaria. And after a revival breaks out, many people are healed and delivered from demonic oppression and saved. And verse 12 tells us, But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. So... Two of the three baptisms are found in this verse. Number one, they believed, which means they received the baptism of salvation. Number two, then they were baptized in water. But what about the third baptism, Pastor? What about the immersion in the Holy Spirit? Let's keep reading. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Are you with me? They had believed so they were saved. They had followed the Lord in water baptism but the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words they had only been baptized in water. Only indicating that there was more to it than what they had experienced. I came to tell somebody here this morning I'm glad that you're saved if you've been saved. If you've been baptized in water I'm glad you've been baptized in water but don't stop there can I get a witness this morning because there's more to it than what you have experienced don't stop short of all that God has for you many years see this was Acts chapter 8 this was after well after the day of Pentecost within many years after the day of Pentecost and after that outpouring we hear about the Apostle Paul's ministry in Ephesus And it's recorded all the way down 17 chapters later after Pentecost in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. They were already believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Interestingly, the people Paul encountered were disciples. They were people who had already believed Meaning they were followers of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice Paul's question here. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Paul doesn't seem to have any doubt in his mind that somebody can come to saving faith and knowledge in Jesus Christ yet not receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Paul knows that a person can be baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ and receive salvation, yet not be baptized by Jesus into the Holy Spirit. By the way, I love the response of the believers here. They said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Maybe these people went to church today. Are you with me? Somebody told them enough about Jesus so they could be saved, but they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. Maybe they went to church today. 
I told the Lord this morning in the 845 service that I repent if people have come to church and not even heard about the Holy Spirit. Listen, I'm not about shoving anything on anybody, but God help us if we are neglecting to tell people, don't stop short of everything that God has for you. Don't stop short just because you've been saved and just because you've been baptized in water. Don't stop short when the Father has got a promise. The Father has got a gift, and He wants to give it to you if you'll receive it. They said we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. How many churches today do you never hear about the Holy Spirit? But Paul found this so puzzling that he decided to check and make sure that they were really saved. I do that every once in a while myself. And in verse 3 of chapter 19, Paul says, Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, The baptism of John. And when they said the baptism of John, watch this. In the scripture, 17 chapters after the day of Pentecost, Paul explain to them what they were missing. You said, I don't have it all, Pastor. I don't have the fullness. What am I missing? Look at what Paul said. Chapter, or verse 4. John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they believed and they'd been baptized. Then, say then. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Listen, somebody said, that all that stuff ended on the day of Pentecost. That stuff is foolishness. We don't need that. We don't need to participate in that. Then, when Paul laid his hand, they'd already been saved. They'd already been baptized in water. But then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. I want you to notice this morning what happened when the Ephesian believers received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what this is. They spoke in other tongues and prophesied. In this church, we believe in the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. And that that is the initial evidence of the baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about you've come too late to tell me that that is ended on the day of Pentecost. You've come too late to tell me that we don't need that today. If they needed it many, many years, 17 chapters after the day of Pentecost and when Paul laid his hands on them, then the Holy Spirit came on them and they experienced the third baptism in the Holy Ghost. And what happened from this point on was a pattern that we see all throughout the New Testament. That's why I'm talking about understanding the pattern today. The New Testament's supposed to be our pattern, isn't it? Isn't it funny how that people argue about we're supposed to be living in the New Testament, but we don't need this gift? Well, this gift is all throughout the New Testament. I'm not a genius. But Mama didn't raise no dummy either. All throughout the New Testament, we see the evidence. So I want to ask you this morning, why? Why? Do we stop short of everything that God has for us? If they'll go ahead and come to the music this morning. Each one of these baptisms represents a distinct work of grace that God wants to do in our lives and in our hearts. Salvation is a miraculous work of grace upon the heart. Water baptism is a work of grace upon the hearts of men and women as they see that outward 
testimony of the inward work that's been done. And a believer's baptism in the Holy Spirit releases within us the supernatural empowerment to do that all God has called us to do. I want to share two things with you this morning before I open this altar. The first one is this. Now, I was raised, and I've told you this before, I was raised in a Baptist church um, all of my childhood life. Now, I will say this, though. The Baptist church I was raised in was very spiritual, and a lot of my Baptist friends, um, I mean, a lot of my Pentecostal friends were, my, my raising was stricter than a lot of my Pentecostal and Church of God friends. Uh, I had a strict Baptist mama. We also were raised in a very, I was raised in a very spiritual church. And we, we were not strangers to the moving of the Spirit of the Lord, but this fullness that I'm talking about, we, some I knew within the church did, but it wasn't an open thing that people received or accepted that. But it was nonetheless a, a very spiritual church in the sense that I'll tell you, I remember when we had Sunday night church, uh, I was about 11 years old and I was uh, doing my math homework in the service because I had school on Monday and I had to turn my math homework in. And, and uh, I'll never forget it. You may know some of these names I'm going to throw out there, but a man by the name of Pat Wood was up singing a song, Pat and Jana Wood. Pat was singing a song. Uh, that many of you probably know oh it gets sweeter as the days go by how many knows that song he was up there singing some of y'all young kids looking at me like what it gets sweeter as the days go by and anyway he was up singing that song and um, a lady by the name of June Park we all called her Sister June very spiritual lady I was sitting there doing my math homework Pat was singing it gets sweeter as the days go by and Sister June let out a scream that sounded like somebody was dying in the back are you with me this morning I mean she let out a scream and when she did I threw my math book it hit the lady in the back of the head in front of me I practically jumped over the pew scared the life out of me but she was just worshiping God but she was screaming bloody murder in that church it was always spiritual. There'd be women that would hoop and holler and whoo and praise God and all that kind of stuff. I'll try to spare you what I did the 845 crowd because they got me really good mic'd today. And I think I blew some eardrums out. But anyway, you get the picture. Very spiritual Baptist church. And when I was 16 years old, I did not, I was attending a Pentecostal church because there was pretty girls there. Lots and lots of pretty girls. So many that, in fact, I got one for myself. Thank you, Jesus. That's where I found her. But anyway, I didn't want to be, I'm just being honest with you, I didn't want to be like those people. We were in a service. I loved the Lord. Don't misunderstand that. I loved the Lord. I was saved. I was a good Christian high school boy for the most part. I was still a boy, but I was, I was good for the most part still a boy because I was at the church for pretty girl but anyway um, but I didn't want to act like they did and they did something that I struggle with in myself sometimes we don't do it a whole lot don't anybody get nervous I'm not going to do it today but somebody came back to me in the service and said can we pray for you you know they used to do that in the old church if nobody came to the altar they'd just find them somebody to drag up there that's the way they used to do it and they came and they said can we pray for you to, to receive the Holy Ghost and I was like sure I went on up there, but in myself, I was thinking, I'm not going to act like y'all. I'm not going to do this. So they prayed for me for, I don't know, probably 10 minutes or longer. Seemed like 45, but it's probably 10 or 15, about somewhere over in this area. 
and nothing happened. I just stood there. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. When they were done, I went over to that side of the church and I sat down on the front row. And something began to wash over me. It was conviction. Because I told you I loved the Lord. I didn't want to act like those Pentecostal people. I loved the Lord and I felt like I had everything I needed. But something washed over me. And I thought, oh, Sean, what if this is real? What if this is God? And what if they wanted to pray for you because he really wants to give it to you? So I sat there and I said, okay, God, if I put him to the test. If this is really real and this is really you and you really want me to receive it, I'll tell you, at that point, all I remember was we had a precious lady in the church. She's still living today, but her name was Eva Mitchell. She was over on this side of the building praying for somebody. And some of y'all that ain't never been in Pentecost don't know what I'm talking about when you see the Lord get a hold of somebody. But she was praying for somebody else, and I, I no sooner than got that out of my mouth over there. And she was one to be intimidated by anyway when she got in the spirit. But she was praying for somebody, and I no sooner than got that out of my mouth than she did this number right here fixated on me and I thought oh sweet Jesus and she glided across that floor she touched me in the forehead and I'm, that's all she did she didn't do anything else except glide across that floor and touch me in the forehead and I can testify to you this morning I felt something like electricity wash over me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet nobody had to do that foolishness of patting me on the cheek saying ma 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 or ba 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 nobody had to do any of that as soon as I felt that come over me I'm telling you I, I was filled with the Holy Ghost from the top of my head to the soles of my feet been raised Baptist all my life but I spoke fluently in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance and I'm telling you from that day forward you may not understand yet why you need it but you take it from this preacher today from that day forward my prayer life has never been the same my walk with the Lord has never been the same me and God have a have a connection like this when I get in the Spirit now I'm not one of these and this church will never be one of these that exalts speaking in tongues and shouting and chaotic worship over the word and everything else but I will tell you this there's something to a prayer language that when you're praying in the Holy Ghost and the enemy cannot understand what you're saying the enemy doesn't know how to combat what you're praying there's something about a prayer language in the Holy Ghost that will change your life hallelujah fast forward from there many years later I had been filled with the Holy Ghost four or five years. And Angie and I had been married about a year. We got married when I was 20. When I was 21, we, the Lord blessed us and we built our first little three-bedroom, two-bath house. And we were actually sowing grass in the yard when I got a phone call that my little Baptist mother had a massive stroke. We didn't know it was a stroke. They didn't tell me that. Just she extremely sick, flying her out to Lexington. So we went and got ready. And we went straight to Lexington. Met her there. And for three full days, she laid in a coma. Four total, but at this point, three days, she laid in a coma, unresponsive. Massive brain bleed, 49 years old. And all the while, I'm thinking, God, why my mama? She's a great woman. I lost my dad when I was nine. Why my mama now? Three days, she laid in a coma. 
And I slept in a chair similar to one of these that had two wood arms on it. They didn't have anything comfortable in the room like they do now or even semi-comfortable. Didn't get a shower. Waiting on her to wake up. Three full days. And finally, everybody said to me, Sean, you've got to go home and get some rest. Get a shower. Come back. So I went home. Got a shower. Went to bed and slept a little while. Got up and was getting ready to go back. Phone rang. Who was it? But Sister Eva Mitchell. And this was before we had cell phones and all of that, I think, anyway. But Sister Eva didn't know that I had come home. She called my house phone. You know, kids, the kind that used to hang on the wall. Y'all don't know what that is. But anyway, she called my house phone. She didn't know I had been up there for three days. Nobody communicated with her and told her, hey, Sean and Angie came home. And she didn't know none of that. When I answered the phone, she was speaking in tongues. And I'm going to be 100% transparent and honest with you this morning. Because is there anybody out there besides me that's just not spiritual all the time? Can I get a witness? Anybody? Y'all a bunch of liars up in the house of God this morning. <laughs> just not super spiritual all the time. So I answered and she was speaking in tongues and I thought, I don't have time for this. I don't want to do this right now. Then all of a sudden, she said, Sean, I was praying just now. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to call you and tell you to get back. She didn't even know I was home. To get back to the hospital. The Holy Ghost is about to wake your mama up. And you need to get there. So I got off the phone. I didn't give her time to finish much of anything beyond that. Okay, thank you, love you, bye. Click, hang the phone up. Told Angie, I said, we got to go. She's like, what's wrong? I said, we got to go now. We got in the car and we went back to the hospital. Four days after that massive stroke. Four days unresponsive in a coma. Four days after they told me, if she even survives the flight to Lexington, she'll be a vegetable the rest of her life. Four days after they told me, you need to go ahead and pull the plug. She's not going to make it. Four days after that experience, I drove like a madman to Lexington. We hadn't even been there an hour. My mama woke up. Not only did she wake up, she started talking. Not only did she talk, uh, she started doing rehab in the hospital within a few days. After that, she did six weeks of rehab at Cardinal Hill. After that, she did two months of rehab in Corbin. After that, six months almost to the day after that stroke, my mama was dressing herself again, walking again, talking again, driving again, working again, Six months after they said there's no hope for her. Her brain is gone. There's no activity. I'm here to tell you this morning. You've come too late to, to tell this preacher that the Holy Ghost is not real. You've come too late to, to tell me that he don't know what he's doing. You've come too late to tell me there's not power. Yes, I tell you. And it's not just for me. Yeah, I said it's not just for me. Thank God it's not just reserved for Sister Eva Mitchell. It's reserved for you and your children. Don't sit down on me because I'm done. We're getting ready to open this altar. It's reserved for you. If everybody will stand with me all over the room this morning. I'm telling you, it's real. 
I said it's real. I know a lot of people today, they don't want you. They get nervous when you start talking about it. They don't know it because they've never experienced it. But I want to tell you this morning, if you've never experienced it, don't judge what you've never experienced. It's for you if you'll receive. Woo! If you'll receive what God has for you this morning. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I want all of you this morning. Somebody says, oh my goodness, it's getting, it's getting tense up in here. Some of y'all crack me up sometimes. Can I just tell you that? I mean, I love you from the bottom of my heart. There's all kinds of things in the world to be scared of, but the Holy Ghost is not one of them. I said he's not one of them. What you're about to face when you go out those doors is more terrifying than what you're facing in here right now. You need to embrace the empowerment of the Holy Ghost. Because you need power when you hit that door. You, somebody said you need the Holy Ghost to go uh, be a missionary. I said you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. You need the Holy Ghost to get out of bed in the morning. Don't be afraid of it. some of you have said in your heart I don't understand some of you have said I don't want this it grieves me when my people which are called by my name are not willing to be receptive to my spirit for I desire to pour my spirit out upon all flesh if I has, as I have said in my word that you would be filled with my Holy Spirit and with power. The disciples waited for power. They waited for the promise. I hope that you are waiting for what I have for you today. I hope that you will make the decision to wait to experience me in the fullness of my power. Do not make a premature judgment about my Holy Spirit. But try the Spirit and see if it be of me. I would that you would experience all three baptisms. Receiving me in salvation. Following me in water baptism. But allowing me to fill you 
with my Holy Spirit. That is the fullness that I have for you. And if you will but be receptive, I will pour my Spirit out upon you, saith the Lord. And when I do, I will use you in ways you did not fathom. I will use you in ways you did not think imaginable. Not by mighty works or exploits that you shall do, but just by my presence that will go before you. My presence that will walk within you. My presence that will go behind you. You will do greater works even than you have read about in the word if you will be receptive to my spirit. I desire to pour my spirit on you in this last day so that you may win the lost to the kingdom of God. Seek me while I may be found. Seek me while I may be found, saith the Lord. If you would just lift your hands all over this room right now. Father, we thank you this morning for the speaking of your spirit. We thank you today. There's some in this room right now and you was like, what just happened? Even different from the baptism in the Holy Ghost was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. There's a, there's a message in tongues and interpretation. When the Holy Ghost is speaking, God is speaking to His people. And the Lord says today that I want to pour out my Spirit upon you. Now some of you feel like it's really weird right now because you just don't know what to do with this. But I want to tell you today, don't stop short of all that God has for you. Every single Sunday, you can look at me. Every single Sunday, we give you an opportunity to be saved. Every time we open this altar in this church. And there's a full room of people here today that will testify to you. If you've never accepted Jesus, he will be the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Can I get a witness this morning? On Sunday, July the 3rd, we're going to have water baptisms. And if you haven't been baptized a second time... Go ahead and register and let us celebrate with you that outward display of the inward work that's taking place in your life. But particularly next Sunday morning. And listen, I can remember who was here. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to give all of you, and I want you to pray. I'm going to give you a week. The Lord told me to do this. Give you a week to pray about it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to give everybody an opportunity that wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. To be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I also want to tell you something. You don't have to wait till next Sunday. You can receive it today. He's in this room. You can receive it today. But just in case, and I'm opening the altar right here. Just in case you're one of those people who need to talk yourself into it. Or at least talk yourself into being open to it. And some of y'all right now after that, you really are. You're one of those people. You need to talk yourself into it. That's okay. That's all right. Let that conversation begin today. And all I'm asking you to do is say, God, if this is really real, and this is really you, and you really want me to have it, then give it to me. That's all I'm asking you to do today. So as they sing... I want you to experience everything God has for you. As they sing, 
this altar's open. As many of you that will, I want to invite you to come this morning and join us.